This year, we have heard a lot about these two individuals, Kim Jong-un, dictator, communist regime of North Korea, a very isolated country, a lot of pain in the people's lives there, and uh, of course, President Donald Trump. And Kim Jong-un has been doing some saber-rattling. Uh, he's talking about his nuclear program. He's testing these ballistic missiles, showing that they can reach the United States. And the tension has really been high, similar to what we had back in the Cold War with the Soviet bloc. So that was getting heated up, and then all of a sudden, Kim Jong-un had a change of heart. And he wanted to actually sit down with Donald Trump. And, you know, it was on and then off again, and call me maybe, and off again, back and forth. It went. And finally, two days from now, in Singapore, these two leaders are going to meet. Now, if you know anything about North Korea, they've made a lot of promises in the past that they have not fulfilled. But hey, who knows? So we should be praying for this summit uh, that's coming up. And I want you to keep that in mind for a moment as I kind of catch us up where we're at in our series called Unfinished. We're studying the book of Acts, uh, the early church, its birth, its growth, just Wonderful things uh, to reflect upon and learn from. Now, we also have been talking about the kingdom of God. And remember, we talked about the Garden of Eden. And God was there with Adam and Eve. They had communion, physical communion. And then they sinned. And then God brought the old covenant, put that in place. Remember, last week we talked about Mount Sinai and Israelites gathering around the mountain and the uh, cloud coming down and the light and the thunder and the fire. And it was quite a production when God gave His law, the Ten Commandments and all the rest of the laws. But again, reminded that the purpose of God laying out that law was to show how holy He was and how the Israelites had no chance of fulfilling all those laws, so they built the sacrificial system in which the Israelites took place, bringing sacrifices, saying, God, we know we've sinned, and we know that you are going to pay the penalty of our sins. So they were justified by faith in God and what Christ was going to do, just as we're justified by faith in the new covenant. So what happened is Jesus Christ came to this earth, and he brought the new covenant with him. And what happened when the Holy Spirit came upon uh, the new church, uh, there was a spiritual kingdom that started. Now, not a physical and spiritual kingdom, but just a spiritual kingdom because God was not with us physically. Now, God is within us, right? We talked about the excitement of that, the Holy Spirit within us doing all these kind of wonderful things to help us to grow in God. But this is just the spiritual kingdom of God. And we're waiting for eternity. That's the physical and spiritual kingdom of God. 
And that will be one day when we will be with Jesus Christ. And we'll be able to commune with Him. And no more sin. No more pain. It will be the kingdom of God that God has been working on. His agenda is to bring this kingdom to pass. Now, remember when Jesus Christ was left at the temple? <laughs> Twelve years old, he's talking to the priest and theology and history. And uh, the parents just went on and they assumed he, was some with, assumed he was with some other family. So they came back to Jesus and they said, Jesus, what are you doing here? And he said to them, why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business. He's kind of saying, what's the problem here? I'm doing my father's business. This is what I was called to do. I am in the kingdom of God business. That's why I'm here to live, to die, to be uh, resurrected. That's my father's business. That's kingdom business. We're to be about kingdom business. Now, let's go back uh, to our leaders here. Now, these men are very powerful men. But again, they have worldly business to do. They have influence over the world that only God gives them, right? But they have worldly business to do. Now, the thing about worldly business that some day it will not exist anymore. There will be no world as we know it. It will be destroyed, and we'll have a new heaven and a new earth. So as we live this life, the question is, where do we invest our time? Do we invest our time in a world that's going to give us Nothing in the end. Are we going to pursue our pleasures and say, I'm going to live in this worldly kingdom? And, or, because God has transformed my life, am I going to be working on the kingdom that's going to last forever? So what type of project are you going to work on? A project that will last a year? Or a project that will last 100 years. Of course, 100 years. And this is what we as Christ followers need to constantly be reminded about. That we are about the Father's business. We are part of the family. You know the family, right? You're part of the family now, right? And when you're part of the family, you do the Father's business. That's your main concern. That's why you get up in the morning to do the Father's kingdom business. Now, of course, you have to provide for your family, and there's all kinds of necessities that we have to do. There's a lot of things. We, we have discretionary time, and that's okay to enjoy ourselves and care for our family and get rest. But the question that I want you to ask this morning, and I'll ask myself the same question, is how important is kingdom of God business? 
How important is your Heavenly Father's business in your life compared to the worldly business, the things you have to do to continue to live in this life and all the odds and ends? And, of course, we all know that with the nature of life, it just seems that life just continues to demand our time to give it to over to the world and keeping our life going. And we get so wrapped up in what do I need, and especially in you know, our sinful nature, our desires, you know, what's going to make me happy, we forget that we're here on a mission. And that is to do the kingdom of God, to, to help God develop this. So, listen closely, this important summit that's taking place in Singapore two days from now, very, very, very important meeting. I'm saying that you coming out today to worship God, to connect with other believers, this event is so much more important than that summit. Oh, come on, Dan. What are you talking about? Let's not fool our... If you respond in that way, you don't really understand kingdom business. Because, friends, (laughs) we're all going to die unless Jesus returns. But you got another life, an eternal life ahead of you if you're a Christ follower spending it with Jesus, and Jesus continues to say, live the next life, live for the next life, put your treasure there, invest in that life, because this life is not important. Isn't that true? So, So just ask yourself, how much time am I committing to my father's business, my kingdom business? It was about four years ago that we as leadership at Springbrook were looking toward the future. And we were thinking, okay, God's got a new chapter for us. We've been around almost 20 years at that point. That's a long time. Praise God for all he's done. But what new thing does he have for us? And as we prayed and studied and we felt that God wanted us to really hyper-focus on building disciples, helping people to mature in their faith, guiding them down the discipleship pathway. We wanted to create a picture of disciple so we knew what our target was, right? What skills do we want them to have? What do we want them uh, to know? All those different details. And so we got a group of maybe 12 people together, leaders here. And we met for two years, every month, seeking to understand what is a disciple. And we had all kinds of Bible studies, things of that nature. And then we put a list together. In fact, if you want the full list, it's out on the ministry counter, the bookmark. Everybody should have that bookmark to remember uh, what our strategy is in making disciples. So we had six descriptions of a disciple, and then we have a pathway 
a way that, that people can walk. So when somebody comes into Springbrook and they say, hey, I want to become engaged, where do we tell them to go? Where do we tell them to go? I want to get involved in Springbrook. Where, where should they go? Starting point. Let's say it together. Starting point. That's a very easy answer. Nobody's going to catch you off guard. What's going on here? Starting point. Oh, over there. <laughs> yeah. That's where people should start. That's where they can understand what our ministry is all about. So, a person can come into Springbrook, become a follower of Christ, and then we have a pathway for them. Now, they don't have to go down it, but if they go down it, they're going to grow in Christ. And uh, we're, we're very excited about how that pathway continues to grow. And so we develop the descriptions of uh, a uh, Christ follower. Uh, I didn't have time to get all, to all of them, so we'll, we'll take some of them here out of the six. The first thing is we share Jesus with others. We share Jesus with others. As a disciple-making church, that's what we do. Now, a disciple, this is a description, shares Jesus with others. The same, but it's different with other ones. The idea is, is that, okay, a disciple, a mature disciple, knows how to tell his story of how he became a Christ follower, and a three-minute before or after, and how he became a Christian. This person knows how uh, to build relationships with people to show the love of God. And this person knows how important this part of discipleship is. Now, we're looking at Acts 2 today. Uh, it's a biblically functioning community principles. If you want to have a biblically functioning community, the principles are found here. So we see that there are many people coming to Christ. They were praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to their number day by day, those who were being saved. So we saw 3,000 who came to Christ and were baptized, and now it's day by day, at least 365 people a year, and probably a lot more than that. And as we continue to study through the book of Acts, we see an explosion of growth, exponential growth, until probably... 25 years into it, there were 100,000 believers there in Jerusalem. That's about half the population. <laughs> I mean, that's amazing, right? God was getting the church off to a very good start. Remember Acts 1.8? But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea, and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. You are to be witnesses. You should tell your story of what God has done in your life. But the most important thing here, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Jesus said, wait, don't go anywhere without the Holy Spirit. And I had a couple of people share with me this week saying, that was a whole new idea for me that the Israelites never had the Holy Spirit within them. I mean, they never had the Holy Spirit to teach them, encourage them, empower them. No wonder they were such a mess. 
Right? Ah, they didn't have the Holy Spirit. But you know what? We have the Holy Spirit. So we don't have excuses. <laughs> Why not grow in Christ? We've got a power pack inside of us that will drive us to Him. Matthew 16, 18, Jesus says, And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, most people, when they look at that verse, oh, well, that's good because I don't want the gates of hell chasing me. No, sir, I want to stay as far away as I can. But, I mean, think about a gate. You guys have a gate in your yard? Okay, you probably have one gate at least. Is that gate moving? Does it move day by day? You see it in different parts of the yard? No. No, it stays in one place. That's the purpose of a gate. If it moves, that's a problem. So what this verse is talking about is that we're, we're charging into hell with our squirt guns, okay? And we are rescuing people from an eternity of torment and pain. We're, we're pulling them out as God allows us to and introducing them to the most wonderful eternity they can experience. That is God's business. That is the kingdom of God. We're doing that work. And what could be more exciting than bringing someone from the gates of hell into a relationship with Jesus Christ? Is that more important than some big summit? Yeah, it is more important because that's going to make the difference whether a person, your friend, whoever it might be, will they be in eternity with you enjoying the presence of Jesus Christ? Eternity! We're to be about our Father's business. And friends, being part of a church, we're always reminding ourselves. I mean, I know this stuff. I've taught this stuff. But I need to be reminded. I need to become passionate. I need to hear your stories. I need to see what happens. And then it pumps me up. That's why the church is always a group of people. So many people today, they're falling into this lie. You can do solo church. Uh, again, they can go to church, but they choose to stay at home. That's not church, okay? You come together in order that we might help each other grow, that we may love one another, serve one another, forgive each other. And all the one another passages, that's why it's so critical that we continue to reach out to people. Now, I talked a little bit about this last time. We are moving into a new phase of our discipleship pathway development. Now, we've talked about, you know, what a disciple is. And one of those things is, again, they share Jesus with others. So we're going to put a little more energy in this area because we know it's difficult for Christ followers to do. So a simple way of approaching this is praying, care, share. Prayer, care, share. The first thing you do 
For somebody who doesn't know the Lord and the Spirit has led you to them in order to influence, you pray, you pray, and you pray every day. I hope you all pray every day. I know sometimes we can miss out, but but just pray for your family, okay, every day. They need it. We all need prayer. Have that tag time at 15 minutes with God where you're reading His Word and, and you're praying, but if for whatever reason you can't do that, while you're driving, while you're doing something else, pray because there's power in prayer. And the more you pray about it, the more you think about it, right? If you pray about it, prayer, prayer is very mysterious. It's like, let's say you have a person who really, it's difficult. And let's say you start to pray for them. Because they must be having a tough time in their life if they're really difficult, right? They're hurting inside. So start praying for them and watch what God does as he, he turns your heart toward them. That's the way prayer works. So if you really want to love someone to Jesus, you start praying for that person. And your heart and your thoughts and your focus will start to be directed toward them. Then you start caring for them. This is just having a relationship with them. Last night, Lori and I had a chance uh, to go to a friend, who, my gospel friend, uh, and he had a quinceanera uh, for his daughter. They're Hispanic, and it is a coming-to-age party. She's 15, and it was really a party. I it was a good time. All this coordinated dancing and the food. And it, it was just great to be there. And why were we there? Because Lori and I love this family, our neighbors. And we want to show the love of Christ to them. And I, I felt privileged to be invited to this wonderful event. I mean, that said a lot about how he feels about us. <laughs> and so we went, and you, you're not going to believe this, okay? So, there weren't many Anglos there. <laughs> and we're saying, where are we going to sit? Because you never, who wants us, you know? You don't, they might not want us. So we sat down to this, with this one family, very friendly family, Hispanic, and uh, we got talking, and we found out that the reason they were at that event is because they had a gospel friendship with my neighbor. Come on, can you imagine that? Here we are, we think we're all alone, telling them about Jesus, oh, it's so tough. And God says, oh, no, you idiot, I got all kinds of people out there. I'm working this thing. You're just one small person. And God reminded me of that, and Lori, as we sat right next to him, we said, this is, a, this is, this is God. This is how evangelism works. You start praying 
And he'll bring all kinds of people around to help you because he's the one who's going to bring the person to Jesus anyway, right? Oh, that was great. That was great. So, again, I want to challenge you today, as I did last week. Uh, <clears throat> uh, bake something for your neighbors, something sweet. Uh, bake cookies. And this really is a great way because you can enjoy it and they can enjoy it. Well, good, right? You can show you care about them, right? We know you're next door. We know you like chocolate chip cookies, and we're going to fulfill that particular need in your life. And guys, when the guy is outdoors, gospel season, everybody's outdoors, just go up and talk to your neighbor. Well, what do I talk about? (laughs) You know, if you really struggle with it, bring your kids. Kids make every relational transaction easy, especially if they're cute, if they're ugly, kind of keep them inside. But bring your cute kids out, and you guys can talk about your kids and the kids will talk, you know. You just have to work at it. Now, I'm about to make a very serious ask here. This is going to cut to your heart, okay? How many ordered a pork dinner for the Alaska fundraiser? Raise your hand. Thank you so much for your generosity. And it really wasn't that generous because you're getting an awesome meal. You know, pulled pork, sauce, that kind of stuff, and four buns. Now, listen to the Spirit. I'm going to ask you to take that home. And instead of enjoying it for lunch, take it next door to your neighbor and say, I bought you lunch for today, tomorrow. It's wonderful. It's safe. It really is safe. How many are ready to do that? Oh, that's a test. That's a test. And some of you aren't there yet. You're not strong enough. You're not committed enough. So i got another option for you. You buy another one. There are extras. $20. I'm going to do it. I'm going to lay $20 down. I'm going to take that, and I'm going to give it to one of my neighbors today. Will anybody stand with me out there? Anybody? Just give me one person. That's all I need. Well, it, Thank you, Lord. You don't count. You're my wife. I mean, you count in every possible way. You are my joy and all that kind of stuff. But thank you. Thank you for doing that. And I hope there are... That's that's what it's all about. Care. Care. It's not going over there and saying, you are a sinner. No, it's giving them a barbecue dinner. That's what we're talking about here. Can that not be easier? Again, if you're uncomfortable, borrow somebody else's kids if yours are too ugly. Take something beautiful or a cute dog. That will also work. Oh, okay. All right. A disciple-making church, that's who we are because we love others. A disciple loves others by spiritually investing in them. So, this is really a This really was kind of the core of what we studied. The idea that to be a disciple-making church, we need to dedicate time to sit down with other people, break bread, 
and study about what it means to follow Jesus, what it means to abide in Christ. How does this practically work? And we had over 50 people trained last year in doing this, just sitting down with someone and loving them. And you don't have to be trained. I mean, you do this with your friends. You can disciple each other. Again, uh, when we talk about this idea of a, a love relationship, we're really talking about fellowship. In the Greek, it's a word for name is the word is that is koinonia koinonia fellowship christ centered fellowship it has to be something to do with your life in christ or your experiences or what you're learning got to be mixed in there somehow and in the spirit of this uh, acts 242 says and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and to the breaking bread of prayer. Devoted. That idea has, has the idea of investment. Uh, has the idea of persisting. Just doing it. It's a part of your life. You make it a priority. You make it happen. And the most exciting thing that happens within a church is when you get together in a small group and you talk about God's Word and you talk about why it's hard and uh, I don't understand this. There's spiritual investment going on. And that's part of your job, to be devoted to one another. Or you have a Christian friend and they're going through a really tough time and you talk to them over the phone and you get together and you work through the issue, and to the best of your ability, as the Holy Spirit leads you, you encourage them. You listen to them. You express compassion to them. And I, there's so many beautiful parts of the church, but there's nothing like having somebody there when you're hurting, you feel lonely, you feel isolated. Nobody cares about me, and somebody comes along and has fellowship with you. Christ-centered relationship. The church is the hope of the world, right? It's the only answer. It's God's answer. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. Well, of course they're going to have glad and generous hearts because they're involved in fellowship, Christ-centered relationships. And I just want to challenge you right now to think about the fall, and to become part of one of our small groups. We have small groups. We also have triads, which is like three people. And, you know, you can talk to us more about that. But the point is that those are strategic times that you block out to get together with people, and there's always good food, I've heard. 
always good food. So you can count on that. And if it isn't good food, try another one out. But go to the small group and just sit there. You, know, you don't have to say anything. You don't have to bear your soul for up all over the place. No, no. You participate as you might, and they will love you, and they will minister to you, and, and you'll feel good because that's, what, that's how God planned it, right? Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as some, as in, is a habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. And I'll tell you, the day is getting closer and closer. Isn't it? All these natural disasters, the Bible said that would happen, and just things that are going on, just like with Bitcoin, national currency. There's all kinds of things. It's like, I've lived a while, and this is an incredible, Incredibly unusual time. And when they were saying it back in the 70s, I said, well, yeah, maybe. But I'm saying, uh-huh, I see a lot of things that are being fulfilled that we're going to come before Jesus returned again. So there's an urgency to it. It's not like, well, I'll get around to it. You might not have time to get around to it. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good deeds. A question I like to ask people is, uh, what is God doing in your life right now? You see, we have spiritual disciplines, our tag time with God, uh, other things that we do that God asks us to do. But really, to get to the heart of spiritual growth, saying, how, well, first of all, you, you share how God is changing you. One area that God's been reminding me about is that I need to, to honor Lori. You know, we're one flesh, and one of my jobs here on earth is to care for her and love for her and meet her needs. And, and to wake up in the morning and not say, how can Dan Harrison have a good day today today? And how can my wife Lori have a good day today? How can I help her have a good day? God's working in me anew. You see that? When we start thinking like that, we start sharing like that. Like what, what's different? What is God trying to get through to you? Where are you struggling? And when we start sharing that, that just creates a synergy of spiritual growth, spiritual interest, and say, yeah, we are about the Father's business, not neglecting to meet together. (laughs) Half of it is just showing up, right? (laughs) Just getting to a service, getting to a small group where you're serving Just show up, be there. (laughs) And all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. I'm kind of concerned that more people weren't willing to give away their lunches, but we won't talk about that right now. What flows out of this type of fellowship? 
incredible generosity. They're not concerned if they have enough, but who, who needs something? What can I give them? Because we're here as a group, and all these people come from all over the world, and they want to stay longer so they get rooted in their faith. So you had so many people that didn't have a home. So you can imagine these homes were just filled with guests from all over the world. And the spirit was so rich there. The attitude was, can I help anybody? Can I serve anybody? Can I give somebody a financial gift? Can I help somebody with a project? That's what flows, friends. And that's the beauty. That's the genius of the church. It's God's family. And good things happen when we follow God's lead and we, we seek to be a biblically functioning community. So my question for you today is, what is the Spirit saying to you? Yeah, the Spirit's the one that's in control of all this, right? So, was there anything during this message going, oh, I hadn't thought about it that way before. Now, it might be just some truth about God that you can appreciate His generosity. Or it might be something specific like buying a pork lunch. <laughs> Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, oh, mercy. The church is yours, Lord, and that's why it's so incredible. Yeah, there's challenges and issues along the way. We're just a bunch of sinners, Lord, but we want to do better. We want to glorify you more. In Christ's name, amen.